0: Blog Talk Radio. 169 Appreciate everybody taking the time to tune in Kenny Hardy here outside Knoxville, Tennessee Terry, the real T.B. Brown From the largest City in Kentucky, Kentucky Louisville T.B., how's it going tonight for you, man? It is going Good
1: uh, the Cats are back on the winning track All-star rosters are kind of shaking out In the NBA Super Bowl's coming up We got a lot to cover
0: A ton, a ton, a ton, and even kind of mentioned it with the end of the college football season, and now the playoffs are winding down. We love the NBA, so it's going to be a lot of that, uh, as well as a lot of U.K. sports, as always. Uh, The number, of course, to get in touch with us is 845-277-9373. Always feel free to call in. Wide open tonight, no guests. You're welcome to call in anytime. Sometimes we do have guests, so you have to kind of take the calls in around them, or uh, sometimes callers interact with guests, either way. If there's no guests tonight, feel free to call in 845-277-9373, at Cats Talk Wednesday on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. Post comments and, and jump in that way if you'd like to as well. I appreciate everybody that follows on Twitter and has liked the Facebook page. Uh, we definitely appreciate that. Got to start, unfortunately, with sad news that hit the state of Kentucky yesterday kind of mid-morning with the school shooting at Marshall County High School right in the western part of the state. Uh, I mentioned many times that I still got to see a lot of the western part of the state, and that's definitely a place I wanted to go, the Marshall County Hoop Fest that they're known for there. I definitely want to take that in at some point. But just devastating news when you saw that two 15-year-olds lost their lives, multiple injuries, all at the hands of a fellow 15-year-old Marshall County student. So that has turned the state of Kentucky on its ear, uh, rightfully so, but the fact that it's a senseless act, um, you feel for everyone, especially in the Benton area the whole county. Uh, mentioned that there was a shooting there. A few years prior to that About 30 minutes away at Heath So uh, to see these people Have to go through that again It's just, it's just heartbreaking
1: Yeah uh, You know Thoughts and prayers obviously uh, Go out to all those folks Affected uh, By that tragedy uh, Not to mix politics in with With What we do but There's got to be something we can do the the eleventh school shooting this year. I mean, the eleventh this year. That's that's not sustainable. That's that's just not the way we can move forward. But uh, in in the short term and the long term, we definitely want to focus on on those folks and, and down in Marshall County and 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 do whatever we can to help them. I was glad to see Cal with some of his comments uh, prior to last night's game. Uh, the moment of silence was, was a nice touch uh, prior to the Mississippi State game as well, but, but definitely I uh, want to send all of our condolences to, to those folks.
0: Yes. And how far, if I'm putting you on the spot, I apologize. How far is Benton from Louisville? I would heard a distance, but I was a little surprised. and Maybe I misheard, but if I'll if just ask you because you are from Louisville, so <laughs> – how far is it to Benton area? It, I mean, it,
1: it's toward the western part of the state, I believe, closer to Bowling Green and that general area. So it, I wouldn't consider it local uh, okay. to, to Louisville here. Uh, but that being said, uh, I know there's sports rivalries and all that kind of stuff, but we're all Kentuckians. And, yeah. and yeah. we all hurt when, when, when one section hurts. We all uh, hurt. Uh, that's what makes Kentucky unique. Uh, I've talked about this before. Uh, C- uh, St. Louis kind of gets the nickname the Gateway to the West, but the original Gateway to the West was Kentucky, down near your neck of the woods, the Cumberland Gap. Those were the first Americans to go west of the Appalachian Mountains. Those were the first pioneers, right? And And that kind of spirit of we can do this. We can make it. That has been part of Kentucky for over 200 years, and and so whatever we have to face, we'll do it. We'll do it together. And that's Louisville to Lexington, Pikeville to Paducah. That's 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 what we're about. So, um, but just devastating news. Just devastating.
0: Yeah, and see, I I heard, I thought I'd heard somewhere that it was said that it was just 30 minutes from Louisville. And I was like, I'm pretty sure it's a little bit more distance between the two than that. That's, <clears throat> excuse me, that's the only reason that I'd ask, because I knew it was further on out west. Uh, like Bowling Green's far west as I've been. I've been to Paducah and Madisonville and uh, places like that. But I thought it was a little bit farther yeah. away from Louisville than that.
1: Yeah, yeah 30, 30 minutes, you're you're just about at E-Town. Uh, okay. Kind of well on your way to Bowling Green. So it's a little bit farther than that, um, okay. just because where I am in Louisville, I'm on the south side. If, if folks have a map, I'm I'm right close to Interstate 65 as it slices through uh, town here. So I'm on that south side, kind of closer to uh, right at the county line to, to Bullock County, uh, home of Derek Willis.
0: Hmm. So I'm
1: I'm yeah. on that side right. of, of of Louisville, closer to heading toward uh, Nashville, heading toward. Um, Bowling Green, that area.
0: Okay. So, yeah, you you definitely mentioned uh, statewide support and and the outreach that is going on from across the state. You mentioned that the game at Ruffling last night, which is definitely good to see. um, Everybody kind of pull together in times like this. It it should happen more often than it does. It shouldn't take something like this for it to happen, but it was good to see that. Uh, It did happen last night when everybody in Marshall County was definitely needing it the most. Absolutely. So there is no smooth transition from that, not like I'm the smoothest transitioner, anyway, but um, like you mentioned, (laughs) uh, there are tons of of topics to talk about, tons of things to get to. Uh, We'll start with Kentucky basketball. Uh, of course, there was the game last night at Mississippi State. Uh, they were able to stop the two-game losing streak. Um, the loss at South Carolina, then the home loss to Florida. Uh, a tough, grounded out rugged, rough-and-tumble kind of game with Mississippi State, which is that's kind of how Ben Howland likes it, and that's kind of how this Kentucky team has to play. So that's definitely what we got last night for 40 minutes. And Kentucky was able to, this time, pull away in the second half. You know, we talked about it all year long. The SEC, you know, it's been weak for years. It's, it's been through a little dip. Coaching is better. Recruiting is better. so teams are going to be tougher. The games are going to be tougher. Uh, Kentucky is younger than normal, so you add that into the mix, and that's what you have. Uh, with all these games coming down to the wire, pretty much each and every one. You know, two-point game uh, with Florida, one-point win over Texas um, A&M, single-digit game at South Carolina. So this is what it's going to be, game in and game out. And to see them pull away in the second half um, and win by double digits, kind of win going away, hitting free throws when they needed to, making plays when they needed to. It was good to see. um, All part of the process of trying to get where you need to be in March, and that was good to see them kind of uh, get that one in their pocket in in a nice fashion last night.
1: Yeah, and and just looking at at the stat line uh, last night, uh, Kevin Knox became Kevin Knox again uh, from where he was early in the year. He was five of six from the field, 19 points, uh, also six rebounds, which is fantastic. Uh, P.J. Washington is getting back to, I think, that groove he had at Tennessee, that first half particularly, he had 22 points and six rebounds. Uh, Shea, 16 points um, and six assists with zero turnovers, okay? Okay. So those three guys have kind of been, if you want to look at the most consistent this year, that's that's where we're going to be. Now, obviously, when those three are playing, we can win. But what's going to get us to the second weekend in the tournament is Diallo. He was three of eight for six points. But but we're going to need him in double figures. You know, he's only been in double figures, I think, once or twice in the conference uh, season he, he's got to get back on track now to his credit he had seven rebounds and two blocks last night so for me that was a step forward for him because a lot of times with young guys as their offense goes so goes their play well if he's going to be three of eight yeah grab me seven rebounds a couple of assists couple of steals couple of blocks stay involved the question marks i think that are still kind of lingering is we've got to get something out of Nick Richards. He only played 11 minutes, one rebound. That's not going to get us to the next weekend. Uh, I think Winyan Gabriel, seven points, six rebounds in 19 minutes, that's exactly what we need him to do. And he had a lot of hustle plays and everything last night. But like I said, if we are going to go to the, if we're talking Sweet 16 Elite Eight, we're going to need Richards. Uh, we're going to need uh, Quade Green to get back on track. Uh, he played 20 minutes last night, four points, uh, no assist. You know that that that's not gonna that's not gonna cut it. Um, and and I think the, uh, another good point to take out of the win last night was Vanderbilt. Uh, Vanderbilt had seven rebounds in only 11 minutes. You know, we had that monster man rebound at, at one point. Um, I think we touched on this last week. You know, we, we lost at Florida on Saturday, or lost to Florida uh, on Saturday. I, you know, I was there for game day for
0: uh, Mills radio. Uh,
1: back-to-back losses. They needed a game to kind of get back on track, and they have. Now, all that being said, no one's going to feel sorry for us, but with green, with quad having some, some back issues and trying to come back. And we know Jay Vanderbilt, um, everybody else got to start their season against uh, uh, like grand Valley state and some of those teams, you know, <laughs> his first action on the road at South Carolina when we're down like 10 points. So it's good. It's, I know people get tired of of when Cal says, when media folks say, it's still going to take time. I mean, you you can't add. Uh, you know Vanderbilt is going to be a fantastic player. We have seen those glimpses, but you can't add him in and not have some growing pains. You know, we we talk about the freshmen having to condense a year or two into their first 20 games in a Wildcat uniform, where Vanderbilt is, is, is getting even a more condensed version than that. You know, he's he's joining in when, the you know, the conference season's going on, the games are that much more intense, and he's just trying to catch up to college basketball in general. So I think we've still got some games left where that can still happen. Uh, I, I don't think it's – just uh, cows wishful thinking or, or media folks trying to be, uh, have a rosy disposition, but it takes time. It, 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 and it does. And I, but I, that being said, and I've wandered all over the place here, I still feel encouraged with what I saw last night, particularly the last 10 minutes of the game. When you compare it to the way we saw the close against South Carolina, the way we saw the closing against Florida, that's a good sign to me, is, is the way they were able to close. Uh, so they can build off the last 10 minutes of the game and head to uh, Morgantown on Saturday.
0: Yeah, and that will be a tough matchup. It's it's hard to believe it's that time already. You know, you look at the schedule and, and you peek at the non-conference games and you know, Louisville and UCLA and all of those, and, you know, oh, at West Virginia SEC Big 12 Challenge, and now here we are, and they're, you know, heading to Mor- uh, Morgantown this weekend to uh, to face a-, a West Virginia team who has kind of hit a few bumps, as everybody has in the country. Um, for a long time, West Virginia's lone loss was to Texas A&M before they hit all of their injuries and suspensions and things like that. But now, um, you go to Morgantown, which will probably be the uh, rowdiest venue that they will face. You talk about true road game. This is the true road game in the truest sense of the word. Playing West Virginia team that's lost three out of four. Lost to TCU last night. Uh, lost to Kansas at home when they had Kansas beat. And then uh, Texas Tech got them. They lost that Texas Tech also. So they're no doubt going to come out wanting to <laughs> get the the wounds licked and all that. Uh, Press Virginia is going to be in full effect. Shea's going to have his hands full. Like you mentioned, Quade kind of working back into the mix off of that back injury. Uh, they're going to have to be up to the challenge going in there to kind of keep everything steady as far as just getting into the offense is concerned. And then, you know, trying to find who's going to be the go-to guy, for that particular night, because that still is kind of by committee so far.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and this is this is a great situation. Okay, this is I'm going to use kind of this season, to kind of expand on a, a broader point. I forget who I saw tweet this out, but it makes perfect sense. That it, it I, I like this. Cal likes being the underdog. That kind of fuels him as a person you know you watch 30 for 30 you kind of know his background a little bit he likes being the underdog and i think he coaches even better when he is the underdog and that's where we are right now out of the top 25 for the first time since 2014 but mm-hmm. cal can go into practice and he can you know, I think the biggest motivator in sports is nobody believed in us. That seems to be the rallying cry of every team that ever wins. Even if it is Kentucky basketball, you know, no one believed in us. We've got to believe in ourselves. And I think that's a huge motivational tool for Cal, for the team. That is what I'm thinking for this season and all of a sudden losing to uh, Duke with Zion Williamson you know folks beginning to fret has Cal lost his touch when it comes to recruiting you know we're, we're still what two or three when it comes to recruiting classes so I don't understand the nervousness but I think that the perception that we may be slipping is going to get Cal to to kind of step up his game a little bit in the off season as well um, Cal country he can go in and he can look pj washington Kwana green Hami diallo whoever and say look we've been written off before as a program i've been written off as a coach they told me i made my bed and i have to lie in it they said you can't win anything here at kentucky but you know what the last time we fell out of the top 25, we made it to the championship game. The last <laughs> time we struggled in the SEC this bad, we made it to a Final Four. He can look these people in the face and say these things. He can also turn on the NBA All-Star game and
0: <laughs> say, hey, if you
1: follow what I'm saying, this is where you're going to be. And we'll, I know we're going to cover that in detail. But Cal oh, can tell these guys. Yeah. Cal can do it. If he doesn't have their attention, if they're having trouble believing it, the, the proof is right there. And I'm not saying this team is, is is maybe not as talented as the 2014 team, and you know maybe doesn't have the basketball IQ of the 2011 team, but Cal can say that. As you hinted at earlier, West Virginia has struggled. Every team, every team in college basketball has looked. Shaken at some point this season There isn't A team out there and that includes Duke that I would be scared To play in the NCAA tournament It's just It's just that kind of wide open We're going to see A six or seven seed or higher Get to the final four this year I just I believe that There's no team really separating themselves So (laughs) would be if that didn't happen (laughs) Right Right, you know what is it, is it the, the five twelve that happens every year that you know you know somebody in your in your bracket pool always says, "Hey, the five twelve like, yeah, man, that's not a secret it happens every year." I mean you know, <laughs> That's not a secret, but there, there's going to be a lot of that. And what I think is frustrating to a lot of people, I say is a good thing. a lot of our turnovers are unforced are being careless with the ball. From the ball. We're just through bad passes or what have you. That's a fixable situation. We're doing that to ourselves. And I have to imagine that's what Cal and, and, and Coach Payne and then and, and the staff are going through in film session. If we clean up our end, which they did last night, only had eleven turnovers after having thirty three combined against Florida and South Carolina we clean that up, we win going away. Yeah. If we take care of and that's the biggest thing with this team is they go through stretches where they're just careless with the ball. We saw it a little bit last night. They get a little bit of breathing room, and they get kind of careless with it. Fix that. You beat Florida. You beat South Carolina. It's a different story. Now, the challenge is going to be going to West Virginia – and Press Virginia, can you take care of the ball?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That has that has been the the bigger issue. Every time we play West Virginia, and we played them a couple times in the tournament with the John Wall team, we didn't take care of the ball that well. If you remember, if you go back in the way back machine and you look at that one three one zone, we rushed Wall and Bresto. <laughs> we rushed. And turned the ball over. Conversely, was it the next year? I have to look it up. And we played them in the in the tournament, in the second round, I think it was, maybe in 2011. I think it was 20. Was it 2011? Yeah. I have to look it up. But the next it's time 20. we played them, we took we took care of the ball in one going away. And, and yeah, that's what that we're going 30 in
0: They destroyed Duarte. them that year. Was that the? I'm at the 38. Once he played them, they destroyed them, and and Willie Colstein had oh, another yeah. nasty guy. Yeah. I mean, the one at Florida, but he got the guy from West Virginia, and he also got a kid from Cincinnati. He had three baptisms, yeah. as you like to call them. That I mean, the Florida one takes the cake, but those other two weren't shot liver either. That's right, because that that uh, that Dexter kid said that.
1: That they were going to be that one, they were going to be the one, and yeah, they got ran out of the gym. You're right, that's that, <laughs> that's, that's me. Sure, yeah, it was. Oh man, seventy eight thirty nine. It wasn't that close. Oh my goodness. No, but we did yeah, play him in 2011 really. too. We did play him in 2011. It was seventy one sixty three. We did play him in the 2011 tournament.
0: Okay. okay. We we did. Which that one? Yeah, that was payback for 2010. How'd I forget that one? <laughs> yeah, there was 71 was, 60 I mean, was, that was the
1: oh, because that's because Brandon Knight was dealing. Brandon Knight had 30 points, nine of 10 from the free throw line. Yeah, he was he was in a groove. He was in a groove that that that. So you have to take care of the ball, uh, and that's the biggest thing because we've been out rebounding our opponents usually this season. The rebounding has been okay. You've got to take care of the ball in critical situations. That's the that's the big thing. And that, and to me that's fixable. A lot of people get frustrated when Kyle says it's fixable and you know, it, it but it is. In in my mind, it absolutely is a situation. You just hey, let's make smarter
0: decisions with the ball. Yeah, and that that doesn't make sense. Getting mad at it's. People saying getting mad at it's fixable. Look, this is <laughs> this is kind of work we, we were expecting. You know, Cal tried his best to temper expectations this season. He always talks about how young they are, but we heard it even more this year. You know, you hear the media talking about, oh, they're young, they're young. They're going to take their lumps. Well, that's what's happening. So, but you still get all everybody melting down, even though you knew it was going to be one of those years. More so than in the past, because this team you didn't have a lot of sophomores with experience. I mean, in and SKJ didn't—they hardly played in the second half. These are your veterans. So, as far as the dog days, the tough part of the season, getting through it, they can't really tell the guys what to expect because they hadn't done it. You know, I mean, you know, there's no Darius Miller. There's there's not, you know, a uh, Hawkins and a Willis for this squad. They're all kind of feeling their way through it. So everybody kind of heard it before the season. Oh, yeah, going to take some losses, going to take some losses. Going to be one of those years where you got to trust the process. Going to take time wait until, the, until March, so everybody peaks, just like 2014. But now that we're right in the middle of it, Santa Maria lose five games and you got people just losing their minds because, you know, bracing for it and thinking you're ready for it for some, I'm not talking about everybody, is still different than when it actually gets here, which is why you hear the chirping and the sniping and the negativity and, and the overboard <laughs> pessimism that's happening right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah and, and you get
1: people, you know, Cal Cal needs to go. And and, and this has been my thing. I, I wrote about this I forget uh, a couple weeks ago uh on Caramel's radio talking about Cal. Look, people we we can disagree with whether we like Cal's system or not. Because Cal's system the way he recruits you get Super teams, but you could also end up with a team like this, which is a, a good team, right? This it's just the the, the skiller way that uh, Cal recruits. You could end up with a twenty ten, uh, a 2012, 2015, right? Which are just flat out just dominant basketball teams, and and your legit best shot at the Titans. That's But conversely, you end up with a team like 2011, like 2014, like last year's 2017 team, good. You got a good mix of old and new, and you got a pretty decent shot. I think getting to the Final Four, getting to the Elite Eight is a decent shot. We're on the downside of the cycle where you end up just with people leaving and graduation where you end up with a very young team where you kind of bottom out, teen and this year's team.
0: Yeah.
1: This, in my yeah. mind, this is as bad as it's going to get under Cal. Where we're going to have the talent, but they're going to be young, you're going to take your lumps. This is, as bad, this is, this is bottoming out right here, which isn't <laughs> that bad because you're still going to have no. a shot. I mean, just, I mean if, you, if you look at just kind of the ups and downs of each team since Cal's been here, you know, he, he kind of sets this up where, you know, every year or two, we got a super-duper team. You know, before that, we've got a really good team, and we might have a rough team kind of mixed in. That's just the way it happens. That's just the way he recruits. Now, we can say, I don't like it. I don't like having a young team that that loses and, and makes boneheaded plays at crunch time, you can say, I don't like it. i got no problem with that. What you can't say is Cal hasn't been successful. And I think, look, I will complain on certain things about Cal. I think in the big game, I think he kind of tightens up a little bit, and, and we don't play as free and loose as we used to. I look at the Wisconsin game in 2015. I look at the 2012 championship game. We were beating Kansas' breaks off.
0: Yeah. And then he's
1: he's got Teague kind of holding the ball, going deep into the shot clock, kind of killed the momentum a little bit, and then we had to kind of scratch back. But Kansas was beaten. It was a 15-point game in the second half, and we kind of let him back into it. That's my only real coaching issue with Cal. It's like, look, If this is what we did to get here, keep doing it. That's my gripe. So I'm not saying that Cal is untouchable. What I'm saying is you can't make reaching the final four a consolation prize. You can't make reaching the final four like, oh, well, that's not the way it works. As great as Kentucky basketball has been, we only put banners up for what? Final Four. You have to get to a Final Four before you win a championship, and we've been four out of eight years. You know, in the it you won know, Elite Eight last year, a buzzer beater beats you by the national champion. You know, I, all I try to do is is talk about let's have some sense. Let's let look. No one likes to lose. Do you like watching Kentucky lose? No, no. I, 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 don't likes watching I don't like watching them lose, but if you take a step back and you take a deep breath and you kind of look at a big picture, like for me, South Carolina was like, man, that was on the road. Uh, we're still shorthanded. Just the game, not talking about the officiating for any particular call, but it was just a choppy road game. Okay, I can understand it. All right? You can also do that with the NCAA tournament losses. Who's Kentucky losing to? All these people talking about, well, you know, Coach K's got Cal beat hands down. Kyle Tucker had a, had a tweet this week that was fantastic. Since Cal's been at Kentucky, both Kentucky and Duke have been in the final game twice. Duke won two, Kentucky is one and one. But in every other metric, Cal beats K's breaks off. Another tweet this week, Six, going back the past 16 years, Duke has been a number one or number two seed 12 times. Do you know how many times they've made it past the final four or past the Sweet 16? Four. Is
0: it four? Four times, yeah.
1: Four mm-hmm.
0: times.
1: <laughs> four times. Even if you count the 2013 team. Cal has done that twice and been farther. So it's like, okay, I know we zero in on championships. I get that. But you have to look at the big picture, right? All these teams that have supposedly lapped Kentucky, uh, it, it, it's not that wide. Kansas, how many, how many great players has Kansas had? The hint: a lot. And how many times have they lost the first weekend of the tournament?
0: A lot. Yeah. yeah. So, and the Indiana game is the only time that's happened to Kentucky. And Wasn't Indiana the four seed? And Kentucky was the five?
1: You, you flip it. it. We were the four. They were the five. But
0: okay. We so that's, been the, the three. that's the one.
1: That, it, that was the year that with uh, Texas A&M. We should have been the three seed. But the worst now, and I can't stress this enough to people, and I tweet it out all the time. The worst NCAA tournament team we have lost to was Big Ten regular season champion Indiana in 2016. Every right. other team that has put Kentucky out of the tournament has at least been a Final Four team. And three times they've been a national champion. No. So we Those can talk about coaching, coach. Yeah, we can talk. We're losing to good teams. Oh, you know, Wisconsin. I'm never going to get over 2015. Frank Kaminsky is drawing checks in the NBA, right? Sam Decker, you know, he was in Houston forever and ever. It wasn't Mm -hmm. a bunch of scrubs. You know, if you want to look talent-wise, maybe that West Virginia team uh, in 2010, probably talent-wise, was the least talented team to to beat Kentucky, I guess.
0: We're not yeah, losing but to Boston. they their best guy. Pitchnuggles, <laughs> their best guy, right? Kevin Pitchnuggles. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, when, we're, when we lose, I don't have to Google a team. I, I don't have to Google Mercer or Lehigh or Bucknell or Northern Iowa. No. All these teams that <laughs> have beaten, I don't have to Google them. I mean, look at it North Carolina, Indiana. Connecticut. I know they're trash now. Connecticut. But Connecticut.
0: Mm-hmm. Come on, man. We, we, Connecticut, we I mean, the head. We mean, That was you know Calhoun had them. Where I mean, almost to where Coach K has gotten Duke. You know, he won three, I think, or two or three, and then Kevin Ollie wins yeah, he, one. And he, yeah, he you, won you wonder what. Yeah. You wonder what Duke would be after Coach K, we've seen Yukon now after Calhoun. you have you give Ali a few years and now I don't know, uh Illinois just blew him out the other day. I don't know if they lost seven, eight games already, but yeah. So Oh it 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 it's bad. I don't know it's if sad at UConn. If I don't know if Capel or whoever succeeds, you know, Coach K at Duke will be able to, I mean, it's always tough following a guy like that, but will it be a drastic decline for them the same way that it has been for Connecticut? Well, and and when you talk about that, it's
1: like, okay, look at these blue blood programs. Where do you start to see that separation? Is If you take, you know, and this is my mind, like the best coach out of the equation. Like, if you just, if you take Rupp's resume off of Kentucky's books. That no. still would be four titles and a lot of wins mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. You'd still have a pretty good run. If you take Dean Smith away from North Carolina, that's a pretty good run. Uh, even without Dean Smith being in there. UCLA and John Wooden, without Wooden, and I know that's a big what if, you've got one title and you know a couple of you know five or six Final Fours. Yeah. Not not <laughs> elite. But what is no. Duke? And, and it's a great point. What is Duke going to be? Is Duke Coach K or is Duke Duke?
0: Yeah. And they and made it to the because, title game in seventy eight. They made it and lost yeah. to in seventy eight. Uh, and, and lost
1: the final four in sixty six. So they had a, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But mm-hmm. you know, can the next guy come in and and
0: And and win.
1: Is it Mm because I think North Carolina has some built-in advantages like Kentucky does. If you get a great coach like a Roy Williams and a Coach K, you're going to win some titles. A good coach like a Bill Guthridge and a Tubby Smith, you can get to Final Fours and have a shot at winning. Right? Right. And it takes a bad coach to really mess that up, like (laughs) Billy Gillespie and Matt Norris. (laughs) It, right, you know, <laughs> it, it, and it's like it's it, it's Alabama football, right? Yo. Great coaches, Bear Bryant, Paul uh, Paul Saban. Oh my goodness, <laughs> Bear Bryant and Nick Saban. You can you're going to have a dynasty. You can have good coaches like a Gene Stallings come in and win you a title. And it takes a special yeah. coach, Mike Shula, to really screw that up. Yeah, because they're just built in. So it's it's going to be interesting to see. Just is the Duke program K or is it a program, and that's gonna that's gonna be very telling on what happens. I have a feeling, and this is just me, that when when K steps away, I have a feeling Duke's gonna come to earth pretty quick. That's just that's just yeah. me, and maybe that's wishful
0: thinking. But that's just my mindset <laughs> on that. Yeah, for sure. We'll get just a quick little break. We still got tons of NBA to talk about. Uh, Super Bowl is all set, so we'll definitely talk about that tonight. And, of course, next week leading up to Super Bowl Sunday, the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame just released its latest inductees for the 2018 class there's a couple guys that will stand out to both you and I, Terry, so we'll never have to talk about that. Um, with all that and more, as we return, eight four five two seven seven nine three seven three. 277 9373 if you want to call. Cast Talk Wednesday, Vinnie Hardy, Terry Brown, Brown and Hardy Radio Network, com. We will be right back. Music Terry Brown, bringing you episode 169. Appreciate everybody tuning in, checking out the show. Everybody on Facebook Live, appreciate the comments and y'all tuning in and checking out the show there. I put the link there, blogtopradio.com, where you can click on that if you like, and you can listen to the full show. You can hear what is saying or just hear me droning on and on. You can get both of us. You can get the full back and forth, but feel free to do that. Uh, feel free to give us a call if you want on 845-277-9373. And, of course, at Cats Talk WED, Cats Talk Wednesday on Facebook and Twitter. And we'll definitely get to the NBA stuff and uh, MLB, newest members going to Cooperstown. <laughs> but just a couple things going back to last night against Mississippi State. You got, you know, the whole process of bringing this team along. You're trying to get everybody where you want them to be, working in Vanderbilt, working in quality, back off an injury. I tweeted out last night, Kentucky was up, uh, Daryl McCoy from the Daryl and Dave show, uh, guest, former guest, had to get him back on again. I see you there jumping in on Facebook Live, Daryl. Um, trying to get this team where they need to be. I tweeted out last night, Kentucky was up seven, uh, right around the four-minute mark, like 32 to 25. So kind of in position to, you know, you close the half out on a good note, you can kind of take Mississippi State's, uh, you can kind of knock them out right there at the half. You know, uh, our guy Cameron Mills always talks about the 96 team especially, You know, they have a 10-point lead. You want to get it to 15. You want to get it to 20. You want to keep extending that lead. Kentucky's up seven, four minutes left, 32-25. And they have two straight possessions, TB, where they don't even get a shot up. They have a turnover one time. I think it's a travel and then a throwaway that led to a layup or something like that. Up seven, could easily put it to 11. Maybe hit a three. Maybe get it up to 12. You got a chance to separate right there at the half. Excuse me for that cost, too. But Mississippi State was able to to, to nibble into that lead, and we got a two-point game at halftime. So I tweeted out, not like I'm trying to nitpick, you know, but, you know, you had two possessions empty. Don't even get a shot up. And, you know, a chance where you could have ran away and hit a little bit. Now they'll have to look to do it in the second half. And that's what we saw at the end of the second half. <clears throat> so you see, you know, things where, oh, the youth, immaturity, the mistakes that prevent them from doing what they want to do or reaching their capability. In the second half, you see they were able to do that. They end up winning the game by 13. You know, two point game at the half, they outscored by 11 in the second half. They weren't able to do it at the end of the first half. Uh, Mississippi State fought back, and you got a nip-and-tuck game. second half to go right out and were able to do what they couldn't do to close out the first half. That's just little things that you just see little bitty stepping stones they're trying to reach, little things they're trying to do. If you uh, saw Kevin Knox, who had six rebounds last night, you mentioned Kevin Knox was Kevin Knox, um, and he definitely did from a scoring standpoint. And he only took six shots. He was five out of six, four for four from three. So, you know, you spread that out to him getting, you know, ten or eleven shots, and you know, we, we see the capability for more there. But not only did he, you know, find his groove, and he mentioned that he even kind of needed to have a game like that in the post game, and he had been working hard on his, working hard on his shot, and. Uh, he even got the mid-range game. They chased him off of a three, hit the mid-range jumper, took a dribble, stepped in, hit that, you know, 18-footer. But he went down, and what jumped out at me, went down in there and got an offensive rebound way out of his area and fought for it, went back up for the putback, missed it, got fouled. That's the kind of stuff you can, haven't really kind of seen from him. You see him kind of disappear and kind of he's on the floor, but you don't really noticing, but he went out of his way and fought and got a rebound. That's little stuff that you haven't seen that, you you know, is kind of getting worked in. Cal constantly telling them how hard they have to play. You got to defend for 35 seconds. You you can't have these little lapses and lulls. So these are things they're still trying to smooth out. So you see glimpses of what they could be once everybody realizes how hard it is to play and how hard they have to play and that the other team is good, too, and this isn't high school and AAU anymore. So you see the potential still there.
1: Yeah, and, and I say this all the time. I don't think that there has been a team, and maybe, okay, you know, the, the, the NIT team, okay, but even that had Nerlens injured. injury. I just don't think there's a team where, if you were honest, you could look and you could say, man, this team did not reach its potential. Even 2015, 38-1, I, I I know how that hurts people, but 38 straight wins is a pretty good – and I wish it would have been, you know, lose the first one and win the next 38. But Ooh. that team reached is, is what it could do. You know, we worried about 2014. That team maxed out. Even 2016, losing to Indiana – we knew because of the the lack of inside scoring that team, if it wasn't Murray and Ulyss playing well, if one of those guys was off, we were kind of done. And you saw that throughout the season. If one of them had an off night, that was the that was game over. We were going to go to go as far as those two could do it. And they played well against Indiana. We had nothing on the inside. There's that story. I still feel that Cal's going to be able to get this team where it needs to go. That's just you know I, I can be just uh you know rose colored glasses, I'm a homer. I still there's there's still time. And people say oh there's no time. Uh, Cal has shown me that he can still up until this late date, he can still turn things around. Exactly.
0: Because 'cause, cause he's so more it often is, than not even if it is being a homer or wishful thinking, blue colored glasses, the track record shows that it can be done. Like you said, outside of the New Orleans year, when they got hurt, you know, in 2013, we've seen teams very, you know, late bloomer type teams, but yet they bloom in March and, and you see a nice run. So that, you're exactly right. The track record Gives you reason to see. Well, this shouldn't be any different. It could fall apart. The wheels could come off. It may. It it could be a chance where a situation where it never clicks with these guys like you would think. But it's happened enough since Cal's been here when it's not just a flat out team of studs. that's just better than everybody. It's happened enough times for people to well, instead of panicking, well, it, just don't give up. Just ride it out. But that's hard for people to do, yeah. it. people—some people just don't want to do it. Because look, if
1: I had the time, I would go back to Twitter, twenty eleven, with that team losing on the road, just looking looking bad on the road. Uh, I think it was—I think it was the North Carolina game that year. Not even getting a shot off at the end to, to kind of close that game out. Uh, you remember? Uh, during 2014, the SEC tournament final against Florida, James Young slips. We don't even get a shot off. And, and people were ready to, to, to burn Cal at the stake then. But good things can happen. So I, I'm not ready in, until the buzzer sounds and then say tournament. I think it's, it's up, up until that point, it's too early to count this team out. Because I've seen Cal press the right buttons and get guys where they need to go.
0: Absolutely. Um, and a tweet earlier from Michelle Morton, she said that you know Kentucky fans need to simmer down, uh, including herself. And she said she's glad she has stock in Grey Goose. Uh, we're transitioning <laughs> now to baseball, <laughs> transition now to baseball, and then come back to basketball. Because if we go to baseball, uh, basketball now, NBA now, we probably won't make it back to baseball. And we should because, like I mentioned, you and I both got guys from our teams going into uh, Cooperstown. It's just announced at 6 o'clock when we were coming on um, the class. For you, uh, your expo, Vladimir Guerrero is going in. Uh, for me, uh, Atlanta Brave Chipper Jones is going in, uh, as well as a couple other old school guys that we watch forever. Um, when you have Trevor Hoffman and Jim Comey, so that's a pretty good foursome to go into Cooperstown. And like I said, two of them uh, have special places for us. You've been an Expos fan, no doubt, Vlad, and you go back, You go back prior to. The Vlad years, and you know, me being a Braves fan, uh, you know, Dale Murphy's the reason I'm a Braves fan. So glad to see Chipper Jones go in. So congrats to all of them. But it's even more uh, stands out more when you got guys that you rooted for going in. So both of us can say we got guys we rooted for going into Cooperstown. Absolutely, and, and
1: uh, I'm, it, it's a good class. Uh, you can't. I know we can quibble with the method of of how uh, folks are chosen for the baseball hall of fame. And there's a lot to quibble with, uh, but they, this, this class, it feels right. Uh, I know baseball is all about numbers, but for me, it's like, okay, who is it that, that you want to see? Who was quote unquote, the man in, in, and Chipper Jones was the best player on some really good Braves teams. I know, and not to rub salt in your wounds, they didn't get over the hump as much as you would want to, especially being a Braves fan. But Chipper Jones was yeah. so good for so long, you know, I think that they kind of rebuilt around him at least twice, you know, from his, you know, being a rookie and kind of rebuilding, retooling, and he was kind of the anchor for that franchise. So I've got. Zero problem uh, with that, with with Chipper Jones going in. I think he's very, very, very deserving. Uh, For me, you know, being an Expos fan uh, 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 from way back when, uh, Vladimir Guerrero going in, uh, in my mind, he was just built to be a baseball player. Like, you know, it didn't matter where you threw it, from his shoe tops (laughs) to his shoulders, he was going to swing. And, and most of the time he was going to make good contact, good things going to – but he was just – I just remember watching some games, and you're like, I think that ball hit the dirt and bounced, and he still made <laughs> yes. good, good, solid contact. So yeah. Uh, yeah. he
0: was just a, just a hitter.
1: I mean, uh, he was the lone bright spot for a lot of those exposed teams, didn't have a lot of protection in the lineup to, to, to do what he did. Uh, I'm glad he was able to have a little – more uh, team success moving on to the angels, but, but he's an expo. And it, it's one of those things, uh, seeing enough former Expos going in, uh,
0: that's all us Expo fans have left. Yeah. Like, and, you know, Vlad, you're right, man. He would hit some 57 <laughs> foot curveballs balls that bounced up to the catcher. And it, it didn't matter. So, I mean, the dude's yeah. hand-eye coordination was ridiculous never wore a batting glove for a second and would just go up there and rake. It was just unreal. Yeah. So,
1: uh, you know, the two guys closest to us, you know, Jim Tomei, uh I think he kind of got overshadowed in the personality department uh, with those Cleveland teams, with Kenny Lawson and, and Albert Bell and some of those teams. Uh, mm-hmm. But he was just, but he was just consistent. Like he was just uh, nothing, nothing flashy. But then at the end of the year, he always had forty-plus home runs and just, just consistent. Uh, yeah. And again, I, I, I think, uh, definitely, I think he would have liked a little bit more postseason success, you know, with the with the Indians. But they had some really good teams, and he was kind of the cornerstone for those teams and as he kind of moved around later in his career, still was
0: a very productive uh, hitter. Yeah, it sure was. And and Trevor Hoffman was nasty um, for San Diego for a long time, uh, out on the West Coast, and they had a good team every now and then. But when he came out to close the game, it was, you know, pretty much closed for the most part. Uh, And a lot of times, you know, he wasn't – just throwing gas, you know. He was up there throwing sliders and stuff, and and still getting it done, uh, and and had a long career, you know, up in years, still, just coming out and getting the job done every time they called his number. Right. Uh, so I've got no problem with that.
1: With those four guys going in, they're deserved. Uh, I, I haven't seen the 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 polling numbers. My issue or the voting numbers with with baseball writers is the thing, no one gets 100%. And that no. is dumb. Mm-hmm. That is, that's dumb. Uh, you know, I think hockey folks, you know, people kind of made fun of hockey folks when, when Gretzky retired and they said, you know what, we're not waiting the the time period. He's going in now. I've got no problem yeah. with that because I think, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that these four, I think these four are Hall of Famers, but, uh when you look at no one has received a hundred percent, okay, that's dumb. Yeah. It it's it's just yeah. it's just dumb, and mm-hmm. that's where I think you lose a little bit with the public when you're the smartest guy in the room saying, you know, Babe Ruth doesn't get a hundred percent. What Willie Mays doesn't get hundred percent. You know, mm-hmm. Nolan Ryan didn't get a hundred percent, and it's like, what? I mean, I, I just <laughs> Who, what are you doing? What career things? are you watching? Yeah. Right, and, and 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 I don't think, that I'm <laughs> not saying that everybody should get a hundred percent. What I'm saying is, there are those guys that should get a hundred percent. Like Ken Griffey Jr. didn't get a hundred percent. Right. If you don't vote for him <laughs> in his first season of, of eligibility, I you need to not be covering baseball. I mean that's yeah. – and I hate to kind of be that. That's one issue I have with the with the Hall of Fame uh, baseball voting. A um, couple of the close, one, close ones, uh, Edgar Martinez not going in. Um, I think he kind of was one of those guys that helped redefine the uh, designated hitter position. I, I don't oh, yeah. think you can put – I don't think you can start putting closers in and not putting designated hitters in. Like, Mm -hmm. I I know uh, in a couple of years, David Ortiz will be eligible. And when you look at their career numbers, Martinez and Ortiz are really, really close. I know Ortiz Mm -hmm. has got the the Boston kind of backing and and, and going to the World Series, winning some World Series. But numbers-wise, they're very, very similar. So I don't know how you could split hairs and say, yeah, he's in, yeah, he's not. I think Edgar should get in. You know, one last little thing. I, I honestly believe that Bonds and Clemens should get in. I, I, I we can we can quibble about. I, I think they should get in, but that's just. I don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole. But that's just one of those things that I, I believe they should get in. Yeah,
0: and, yeah. I mean, and they were going to be great without them. Um, allegedly um, so yeah and they just wanted to be uber great and didn't have to be in an era when everybody was doing that so yeah uh, eventually they probably will as far as the balloting you know the only person of course you know me being all up in Brave Twitter and uh, Chipper Twitter that's the only balloting I've seen Mark Bowman tweeted out and he covers the Braves for MLB.com. The Chipper received 97.2% of the votes, ninth highest percentage in balloting history. And a side note, Andrew Jones is still on the Hall of Fame ballot as he received 7.2% of the votes. So um, still a long shot, but there was a a thought that Andrew might fall off of the ballot. So it's good to see that he will still be on there. Uh, His career started off, like a rocket, I mean, hitting home runs as a 19-year-old in the World Series, one of the greatest defensive outfielders ever, but his hitting just never quite came around like me and a lot of Braves fans and uh, thought it would, you know, he was solid you know, 250-ish, somewhere along in there, 260, but he never did just rack up the average like uh, like we thought, but you know, he played a mean center field for a long time. Played so shallow, but went and tracked down everything. Took away so many extra base hits when guys thought they hit it over his head, and he was just good on his horse and real mean. So good to see Andrew from the Braves standpoint. For me, my Braves fandom that he's still on the ballot. So that's that's good. No, yeah, I, I definitely. Uh...
1: And, and so there's so many facets. I know baseball is all about numbers, but there's all kinds of things you can look at uh, and say, okay, what what are you going to wait a little bit on? Uh, what I, you know, what are you going to put weight on as far as defensively, offensively? Are you looking for a total package, but but still, there's there's just no brainers that
0: you, you, I, I just don't know how you can't do that. Absolutely, I got shifted back. To basketball, and before we get into the NBA, and there's, you know, tons of cats in the All Star Game, and it's gonna be an entirely new look to the All Star Game. It's happening in Staples Center, the home of your Lakers, and it's right around the corner. So we got all of that to get to. You mentioned game day being there Saturday, and of course, it was a loss to the Florida Gators, and you know, we hated to see that. But you were there for the festivities Saturday morning. So so what was that like? We always kinda of talk about the events we get to cover and you got to cover it for Cameron Mills Radio. Uh, so tell us what it was like hanging out with Shell and Tina and all the fans that packed the house Saturday morning. I was I was on ESPN when
1: when they were talking the during Cal segment, uh I was behind Seth Greenberg and, and I I was uh uh I was professional but I could see myself on T
0: V so I'm pretty happy about that. Um, <laughs> there you go, man. <laughs> I was so, professional. So here was there was there, was personal, was there a desire to be unprofessional? Was there a temptation to be unprofessional? Is that what you're saying? Well,
1: the game day.
0: There's lots of rules. There's there's absolutely rules for
1: game day. They don't necessarily have for uh, the game. You know, you can't. You absolutely cannot be in camera line. You know, when they're at the desk. Uh, and you have to have a reasonable decorum, I think, is how it's worded. So I, I behave myself. Okay. Uh, the the thing is with with game day, I still think it's a big event because uh, there was one section that was completely full, kind of right behind there. The problem is with Rupp seating twenty three thousand people, even if you have seven or eight thousand, it it looks kind of cavernous, right? <laughs> uh, other places mm-hmm. where they do it. Uh, you know, uh, next next week they're going to be at uh, West Virginia. So back to back weeks, Kentucky's in the game day game. They might not they might not have many people, but it may look like more simply because their arena where they is not is is, is just not going to be. A thing. with it just being an hour, I think that kind of uh, you know, and there's not a lot of live segments. You know, they had a kickoff segment, they talked to Cal, then they had that video recording, uh, pre-recorded segment of uh, Jay Williams talking to uh, Trey Young of Oklahoma. So you're kind of sitting around for that, and then they come back and get mm-hmm. riled, all all uh, riled up. The, sh- the, The thing, I love game day, but I think what kind of hurts is a lot of Kentucky fans, it's a been there, done that kind of mentality, which I totally get. But number two, when you look at football game day, if they go to game day uh, and they're there until noon and the game itself that they're covering is until 8, the fans can go back and tailgate. Well, with basketball, you know, it was over at 11, and if you went to game day, you'd have to leave because the women's team came in to have their shoot around, so you had to leave game day. Then you have to come all the way back Ooh. to Rebel Arena. I just think basketball, it just doesn't lend itself to the same kind of atmosphere that you get at a football game. And and that's just my right. two cents. Talking to a couple of other folks, if I could tweak something, but I don't know how you do this because they don't exactly plan out game day you know, way in advance. But if there was a way that you could have somewhere in the Lexington Center like, hey, come to game day, and then you can hang out until game time. You know, whatever that means—have food, have activities, whatever. You know, watch other games, something, kind of an indoor tailgating. You know, and I don't know if that would work, but just something I, I think you would get more people that would come down there uh, for it. But it was still, it was still fun. Still had a great time. Uh, you know, covering it. Uh, anytime you get to, to go a Rupp Arena, it's, it's definitely a, a special. Uh, uh, experience.
0: Definitely. definitely. So, yeah, I saw uh, definitely had to get get your thoughts on that. And just looking ahead to West Virginia, the WVU Coliseum holds 14,000. So uh, like you said, it probably will look like there is more people there, even if they don't bring 7,000 or whatever it'll look uh, a lot more filled in because that arena is almost, you know, half the size of Rep Arena. So, but Kentucky will be there in the center of it all a couple times in a row. Got a flashback, too, the One last thing, too, um, <laughs> you and I were texting about the other day. Uh, Cameron Mills talked about it on his show Sunday because <laughs> right as soon as the post-game press conference started, Cal got hit with a question from Curtis Birch. You and I know Curtis, and he's, he's at everything. I mean, we we get to cover a few events, but Curtis is at everything. You see the uh, Countdown to the Kickoff Show with Freddie Maggard and Kristen Thomas, Curtis will be right there at Nutterfield House, outside of Nutterfield House, wherever they have, are set up, depending on the weather, Curtis will be there. Coming to Tennessee game there in Knoxville, sat right beside of Curtis for the entire game. He is everywhere. Of course, we know he contributes to a Big Blue Insider with Dick Gabriel. He's on there and helps produce that and the Sunday AM Sports Show. You name it, he does it. The, and look, I've only asked one question at a press conference, and, you know, that's am so not about to me. say I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not about to say I'm some big expert or some guru on asking questions in the post game. So it's not like I'm Mark Story, Jerry Tipson, Gene Smith, Cal Tucker and you know, all of those who are regulars and ask questions Mary Vault ask questions with the greatest of ease at these post game sessions. But, you know, of course Carter's put it up on Twitter and he's got the the YouTube uh, subscription where he puts up his uh media sessions with the coaches and players, right as Cal sat down, you barely had time to kind of mess with his cool blue Gatorade. And, look, let me get off track. The cool blue Gatorade is awesome. If you have not had it, I'm not just saying it because it is Kentucky blue. It's delicious. And, Terry, you and I are old enough to remember Gatorade has come a long way. We don't go back to the 60s when they created it at Florida. But, look, 1985, you pop open a Gatorade with the glass. The lemon-lime Gatorade was dog nasty, in my opinion. And you had lemon-lime, orange, and like fruit punch. That was it. Fast forward to today, all the flavors, the strawberry, the grape, the fierce. Cool Blue is delicious. I don't know if you drink it when you're playing with the MOP on Tuesday nights, but cool blue is wonderful. So, <laughs> I, I I drink I drink orange,
1: but the girls like the it's it's cherry flavor, but it's white it's white glacier yeah. or something. I just yeah, drink the regular one And and let me I know you you let me interrupt for just a second. Last night I played my regular pickup game, and I haven't shot that well since two thousand four. I
0: felt good. I hit a
1: couple of game winners. I I felt good last night. So um, um,
0: I'm
1: I'm excited about that. I had my Kobe jersey on because he he got uh, (laughs) his Academy Award nomination, so I had to represent. You know, I'm always sending messages with my jerseys. Um, Michelle Morton asked me, how many jerseys do I own? My answer is, way too many (laughs) Oh, um, <laughs> way too big. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, felt good last night. felt felt uh, felt felt really good. So, all right, we 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 segued and we backtracked and and digressed a little bit. So, back to back to Cal after Florida. So he,
0: you know, he's just getting situated. And, you know, the blue Gatorade is sitting there. So if, if you ever venture away from orange, try cool blue. That's all I'm saying. The cool blue Gatorade is sitting there on the table. And, and Curtis asked him, this is after the Florida game. We all remember how the Florida game ended with, you know, Kentucky hitting some threes to get back in position to be down by two and then having three inbounds plays in the final seconds to try to tie the game. They would never do so. The next to last one saw P.J. Washington get mugs and there wasn't a call. So he sits down, and Curtis asked him, do you think, quote, do you think that was a foul on P.J. Washington? And a lot of people were thinking, or you know, you hear people saying that Cal should have answered him more nicely or was kind of a jerk to him the way he answered and Cal basically said, "You would you really gonna ask me that?" And then he kind of said, "Look, we we all saw it. I don't mean to embarrass you." So it was it was like he kind of caught himself, but he was about to kind of maybe let it rip a little bit on what he really thought. And a lot of people were like, "There was nothing wrong with that question." You know, Cameron Mills on his show Sunday. That was a fine question, you know, and people tweeting, Cal shouldn't have reacted like, that way. I didn't think that needed to be asked because we all saw it. We all know what we thought about it. How do you think he's going to feel about it just walking off the court? And so I think Cal kind of, Cal did a good job of kind of restraining himself because with his first, oh, you really going to ask me that? I was like, uh oh. But then he kinda of rang it in and didn't say anything to get himself signed. We all saw it. I don't mean to embarrass you. And then he went on and just started talking about something else. But look, ask Bobby Knight that question. Ask uh, oh, ask Tom Izzo. Ask ask Harbaugh that question and you might really get both barrels. You know, ask Charles Barkley a question like that. So, you know, I, I thought it was eh, not the greatest of questions, and I don't really think Cal was out of line or did anything jerkish in his response. Well, and, and the thing is with Cal, uh, you, you,
1: you don't know what you're going to get with his post-game press conferences to begin with. <laughs> I forget the the time allotment. It's I think it's 10 or 11 minutes. You don't know if you're going to get a 10 or 11 minute soliloquy. <laughs> you don't know if he's going to talk a little bit and then take questions. You don't know if he's going to sit down and start taking questions immediately. Like you just don't know. So that and, and I now look, I thoroughly enjoy Kyle's press conferences. Uh because, you know, win or loss, if, even if he wins, he's still going to jab at the media folks a little bit. So it's yeah. not that, you know, if Kentucky wins or loses, he's going to take jabs. I mean, he he said uh, a couple weeks ago that the media, we didn't know bleep, except for Larry Vaughn. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, that's just, that's <laughs> yeah. just
1: how Cal is. Uh, as far as the question, I mean, I, I, I've i been going back and forth on whether or not it should be asked uh that that Cal is or any coach isn't going to give you a yes or no answer. Uh, the coaches aren't going to show up the officials um, in the professional ranks that get mm-hmm. you fined I think in the SEC if you say something about the officials I think coaches can be fined as well if I'm not
0: mistaken I don't think so but
1: but you don't want to put that out there and get a rough whistle you know the rest of the season. So it's one of those things you 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 ask it with the understanding is you're not gonna get unless you you know you've got Cal hooked up some truth through, you're not gonna get a straight answer. So I i have got I've got don't have a problem with that. Uh I think it kinda caught Cal off guard because like I said, uh you don't know how he's gonna come into the press conference, which I think is pretty exciting stuff. 'Cause usually it doesn't matter what you ask him, he's gonna answer whatever he wants to answer anyway. I mean ooh, that's ooh. just how it goes. Um, so I I don't ha- I didn't have a, a huge, huge issue with it. Uh but you have to have the understanding that he's not gonna answer that question truthfully.
0: I think well maybe maybe ask him what explanation did you get on that next to last play on P J Washington because he was pursuing the ref, and then he got back in the handshake line and then went back to try to you know let his thoughts be known. so I maybe you know you already knew what he thought about it. I might ask him, "Did you get an explanation or what what type of answer did you get?" and then maybe he might tell you a little bit about the exchange or what was said or something like that, but I don't yeah. me personally. It, I, I, I lean on the side of, eh, that wasn't that great. Well, did you think that was a foul? Of course he thinks it's a foul. <laughs> we all know he well, thinks it was a wasn't a foul. foul. That was my thing. I mean, yeah. It, it, so that's it, why I'm going right. you know, to ask you me if you think it's a foul.
1: Whether or not it was called or not, and, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago uh, against Texas A&M with Winion Gabriel. Yeah. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. a foul, too. Because right. My whole thing is when it comes to officiating, not to go down this road again. When you look at a good call, bad call, most of the time mm-hmm. it evens itself out. You know, with the Winton yeah. call and, and the P.J. Washington call, the universe kind of finds balance. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you look at should Christian Leitner have been ejected for stepping on Amino Timberlake's chest. Yeah, yeah. probably. But Boogie probably should have yeah. been ejected for putting his forearm in the schwab uh, throat against UofL. So it, it kind of balances yeah. it out. Uh, so it's never, for me, it's yes. not about this particular call or, or or that particular call. It's a lot of the other things with officiating. But you can see, it happened. It, it absolutely, yeah. uh, it happened. Uh, it, it should have been a call, just, but hey, you have, you can't put yourself in that position.
0: Yeah, exactly. And Jamal McGlure could have, you know, been ejected when he, he about decapitated, with the Bojo? In the 98 game when they came back to beat Duke, it was a, so me about bending okay. backwards, or you know, he kind of he kind of had his arms they, and shoulders, and <laughs> they 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 got tangled up going for it.
1: <laughs> as as long as I live, and I've got the '98, uh, I've I've got those games on the DVD. I love going back to that part because number one, I didn't think McGlure had him in in a a, a, a figure four leg lock. I thought there was a lot of acting with it. The highlight for me was Billy Packer losing his mind. Jim, what is he doing? What I mean, just yeah. it, it for me for a moment, it was like the WWF. I'm going old school WWF,
0: mm. and,
1: and you got the announcers selling what we're seeing. You're like, there's no way that's hurting for real. There's just no way. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, McLoor probably should have probably should have got ejected, but. To me, that's <laughs> high comedy. That that was just high
0: comedy. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, we definitely had to, just had to backtrack to that before we dive headlong into all this NBA that we have to talk about, which we love. Um, start off first, which I mean, we we got the we got the All Star starters and all that, and and the reserves. And pretty soon we're going to have the secret draft. But let's just start off with with Boogie just joining the elite company. The 44 10 game that Boogie put up the other day, joining a couple of your Lakers, what was it, three of your Lakers, Kareem, Wilt, Eldon Baylor, <laughs> and Big <get> Old. <laughs> so a bunch of Lakers and Oscar Robinson and Boogie basically have been the only guys to do this. (laughs) Uh,
1: I mean, just wow. Uh, And that's the strange thing, because remember when Cal got on the campus in Lexington, he was the point guard guy, right? Remember Tyreek Evans, Derrick Rose? Then you bring Mm -hmm. in uh, John Wall, and we talked about Brandon Knight. We talked about even Marcus Teague winning the title. Talk about Andrew Harrison. Talk about the point guard Tyler Uless, uh, Talk about De'Aaron Fox. You know Green and 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 and, and Shea getting into that mode, hopefully. But he was always a point guard guy, dribble drive offense. And now all of a sudden, the best big men, bar none, in the NBA, a Wildcat. And Boogie, look if the Pelicans could get anything from the perimeter, just anything, just anything from the perimeter, they'd be they'd be fantastic. Just, yeah. you know, anything. Because those guys, I was worried when New Orleans traded for Boogie, okay, how is that going to work? But I've watched some games, and it works really, really well. It is going back mm-hmm. to... Uh, you're Ralph Sampson, uh, uh, Malone, uh, Ralph Sampson, not Malone, I'm sorry, Ralph Sampson and Akeem, those twin towers. And they played right. well together, but it's the range of those guys. Because that 40 20 game, he had five three pointers as well. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. The, the game has just changed. <clears throat> I, I, I tweeted this out, I think, last year watching Classic Sports. And it was a playoff game, the Bulls and the Cavs, and it was Brad Daugherty matching up against Bill Cartwright. Daughtry catches the ball at the top of the key, and Cartwright is five feet away from the rim. Well, you can't do that to yeah. anybody in the NBA now. No. You know, we can talk about how the game was more physical then, but I'm like, yeah, Detroit could be more physical to old bad boys, but I can't imagine them trying to cover Davis or Cat or or, or or Cousins. <laughs> uh, you know,
0: I forget who I was listening to that was comparing, you know, Biggs from that era when it was, you know, Mahorn. And now they were like, you know, sure they were physical, just like you said. But, you know, Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins, Porzingis, Carl Towns, when I look at Mahorn and be like, you have no skill set You have no skills, <laughs> It was just to away Because you know Rick was just out there To knock some heads and, I mean but as far as you know Touch and, and handling the ball And shooting them no, no that wasn't Rick Mahorn. But yeah these yeah. guys today I mean they all it's, it's crazy what they're able to do In, in
1: New Orleans Here's the thing They're, they're number six right now in the Western Conference. I feel confident that they're going to be able to, uh, they, they might be able to catch Oklahoma City and get into that that fifth uh, position, but they're getting back to the playoffs, which I think is going to be fantastic for that franchise. And yeah. I, I still think they're, they're probably one very good wing player, and, and Darius Miller has done fantastic. I love Darius. He's, he's, you know, top five in three-point shooting in the NBA. But he's not that kind of close-to-elite guy that they need on the wing to really open up for the Pelicans. I mean, they're, I think, a piece away, to be honest with you. You know, If Rondo had a jump shot, you know, I, I think that they would really be uh, a even better team. Uh, but but Boogie and LeBrow, that show, I don't know. I tweeted this out. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, Slam magazine did a mock-up cover. Their cover is of uh, Cousins and Davis, but it looks like one of those old uh, No Limit CD covers from way back in the day. <laughs> uh, it, 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 yeah, I need to tweet it out again because it is it is glorious. It's just got the style. It is fantastic. Uh, so they're 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 becoming a show there in New Orleans. So that's been, That
0: that that's great. And it may not be a given, you know, everybody thought Boogie's just going to go there until it's time to be a free agent, and then uh, you just kept hearing, oh, he's going to go to Washington and, and team up with John Wall. Not so fast. He might, you know, as as good as things are going in New Orleans, you, I mean, he could stay, you know. You never know. But, I mean, it's it's probably going better than a lot of people thought, obviously, because they're the only ones doing the Twin Towers thing when everybody else is playing small ball. Uh, So, I mean, anything is possible now. Like you said, they just need one more piece in New Orleans, and they are climbing as we speak, like you talked about, in the Western Conference. So so give them some some more offense, uh, some more perimeter-based offense, so who knows what they'll do. So... Uh, it may not be a lot that he's just gone as soon as it's time for him to to cash in for his next big contract. Yeah, uh, you, you have to say that okay. At some
1: point, Golden State is gonna there will be a little bit of drop off. Will they be able to keep their core together? You know, kind of long term. Um, and then who who else is gonna take that that step up that? I mean, your Rockets are right there, and you have to talk about them because was it when CP3 and Harden and Capella played? they're like 17-0 and 0 or something like that. Um, you know, Minnesota yeah. being, uh, I mean, they're the they're three seed. So you have to say, the Warriors may have that drop-off. And in, in New Orleans, if they get into the playoffs as a five seed, they're playing San Antonio, they're playing Oklahoma City, it uh, can make it to that next round, and and Boogie and Brow say, "Look, we can make it work here. Bring us somebody. Bring us. You know, I don't know what names you want to toss around. I think that's a good situation to be in.
0: Definitely, definitely. So it's going to be fun to watch. And I mean, it'll be March Madness and playoffs before we know it. So you know, we'll be." Locked in like we always are. But, yeah, little Boogie making history the other night. Um, we talked about the cat-on-cat crime last week with <laughs> Enos Cantor, you know, baptizing Boogie. <laughs> we have some more of it this time amongst the two guards with, with Devin Booker and Jamal Murray uh, when the Sons and Nuggets got together. Um Booker hits a three, does the bow and arrow, which uh, is basically trademarked by Jamal Murray. And then a few possessions later, (laughs) Murray turns the corner uh, and gets a step on his man and, and dunks all over Booker. So, I mean, they were laughing about it after the game, but, uh, Murray got him right after Booker did the whole bow and arrow thing. Next thing you know, Jamal Duncan on him. So that was a hilarious flip <laughs> back and forth too. Well, yeah. And,
1: and people forget that with, uh, these, these one, these guys are still young. Jamal Murray is only 20. <laughs> you know, and, 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 yeah. and, uh, Devin Booker's not that much older, uh, It was great watching them go back and forth at each other. Uh, Yes. Because that's going to – look, I think I said this. This is what show 160, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't know.
0: Um, (laughs)
1: 169. Yeah, but (laughs) I have said when all these guys start going in, we are going to see a situation where – we're at the all-star game and the NBA all pro we're going to see a lot of wildcats a lot of them and yay verily it has come to pass that we have four in this year's all-star game Mm -hmm. now if you say hey those guys can do it again next year let Devin Booker be healthy you know uh, next season or Jamal Murray What's to say those guys don't make leap yeah. of some sort. Mm-hmm. When you look at give Eric Bledsoe some time in Milwaukee running with the freak, I'm telling you, yeah. four <laughs> this year, it it it's not inconceivable that you might have six next year.
0: Yeah.
1: Legitimately six Kentucky players out of the twenty or what that is insane. So that's why when people want to say that recruiting is down, and look, Cal still has the ability to say, look, look, Duke has had top players coming in for 30 years. But who has been like the Duke, the Grant Hill, and then who else has really, really made an impact in the NBA?
0: Tyree, right now, it's. I'll I'll go. It's not even that big a limb. It probably would have been a safe bet to say that Jay Williams would have been the other guy, but of course we know with his career uh, cut short after one year with the motorcycle accident, and him and Jim Rome just did a great podcast the other day, and and they went into detail about the the depression and all of that after in the hospital and, and, how it affected everybody and affected him
1: and uh,
0: addiction to meds and things like that. Uh, and then when you see the Bulls drive Kirk Heinrich, and then it hits you that you're replaceable, um, that's, it's, it's really good. But I, I think he, it's safe to say that he might've probably had the career that you think he was number two pit behind. Yamin. Yeah, I mean, had a good rookie season. Um, and if you listen to that, the drama on that Bulls team that he got drafted to, TB, was, is crazy. Uh, between him well, and Jamal Crawford and Jalen Rose, It was it's crazy. And the perception that him as a black guy from Duke, that everybody thinks about when you see a dude like that from Duke who's, you know, educated and got together, the perception amongst Pretty much everybody that perceives him, he talks about that as well. It was really, really good. Well, yeah, and we can we can dive in that perception because Jalen Rose they
1: spoke out in the Fab Five documentary about what they thought about Green right. and the Duke guy. Yeah, I mean they 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 they, yeah. they 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 talked about that and you know and, and not to go down that rabbit hole, but absolutely right, right, uh, yeah. And,
0: right.
1: And, and getting drafted, it it's such a okay, where are you going? What kind of uh, organization are you going to? Because we've seen certain teams that have top picks in every sport year after year after year. We also see teams that get a top pick, choose wisely, and the next thing you know, they're back on top. Right? I mean, it's just right. that's, that's the way – so it's, it's not so much having a number one pick or a top pick. It's the, it's the organization that you have with it. And when you look and you think about dynasties across all sports, it is coaches and the front office being on the same page and being consistent. And you can see that with, like, with, you, with your Rockets. When when is it Morley? Is that the is that the GM? Yeah, Darren Morley. Uh, Darren Morley. Yeah, more, you know he can set the tone. They know what's going on. Uh, everybody's kind of buying in. It's it's cohesive, so they can bring guys in, or you can end up like the Clippers for all those years, and they had a top <laughs> three or four pick every year, and they got really good players coming college players coming in. And didn't do anything with it because it was just a disaster from the start, you know. Uh, and it's it's sad when you because uh, I've heard good things about that interview with uh, Jay Williams uh, that the Bulls had gotten to that point. The Bulls, if you talk if you listen to a lot of people, had been dysfunctional through the Jordan years. You know that was a rallying cry. Of Phil Jackson and the Bulls during that last 3 p we're going to win in spite of the front office. Right? <laughs> right. They have they, they had dropped the ball an awful lot. The whole Tony Kukok situation. Pippen good, good paid, and so they, you know, going after Tony Cook. Kuk- I mean,
0: <laughs> you
1: know, they're, they're, people think of, of professional sports being somehow this utopian workplace. Yeah. They've got the same. Yeah. Kind of things going on That, that you do at your job There's people you don't yeah. like There's people that aren't doing what they're supposed to do There are brown nosers that, I mean, that, that it's just another Workplace I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah it's blimpy and glamorous But it is just another workplace And I, I think people don't mm-hmm. appreciate that When they talk about professional athletes You know, sometimes it is just a job You know There's times right. where, you know <laughs> You know, I don't want to travel to Milwaukee tonight and play basketball.
0: I mean, it
1: it becomes a job, and I and and I get that. Uh, But if you can have a a front office and coaching and ownership, ownership is is key as well to kind of set the tone for everybody. uh, You kind of avoid a lot of that, uh, a lot of that drama. Like I will go ahead and say, you know, my Lakers. I've said it before. That when Doctor Bus was alive, man, of course we were winning, and we were we were able to bring in people to replace stars like nobody else. Once he got sick, and Junior Bus got involved, and and Jerry West left, that's when th- that's when we went off the rails. So it, it's key to kind of have that that continuous. Uh, um, uh, togetherness with your with your front office and ownership and and, and coaching staff.
0: Definitely, definitely. So um, yeah, check that podcast out. It is uh, very good. But I would, if I had to pick, I would say J. Will as far as another Duke guy. Maybe that it would, you know, probably would have been Grant, J. Will, and now Kyrie doing what he was doing. So they would have three which is still, for as long as they've been a top program, isn't many. I mean, and two of their point guards, you know, had their career cut short. You know, Bobby Curley had an accident. And, you know, same thing with, with Jason Williams as well. But uh, I guess Grant, J. Will, Kyrie would be the top three. Um, but Jason's career wasn't able to materialize. Um So we we hit the uh, Calvin Cat Crime, Murray Booker, we hit Boogie, uh, four All-Stars, four U.K. guys, Carl Towns, John Wall, Cousins, and Davis are going to be in the All-Star game. And you and I love the All-Star game, even when it got to the point these past couple years where it was just dunks. It was no defense. It was, you know, guys not even going that hard anymore. You know, there was a time where we get close to the fourth quarter, and we see three quarters of just, you know, kind of goofing off. And then the last three or four minutes, they ramp it up. The past two years, we didn't even get that. So it's a totally new look now. They announced the changes back when the season started in October. I wrote a piece about it on KarenMillsRadio.com. I got it pinned up on my top tweet area where you pin your top tweet now. So you can check it out there. The East-West format is not going to be what we see when we tune in next month. TV. We're going to see the leading vote-getters from East Conference, LeBron James and Steph Curry, then pick, just like you do at the park, and you know you can see guys from the East playing with guys from the West. Everybody thinks LeBron's first pick is going to be KD. So then who's Steph gonna pick? Uh, is LeBron gonna pick Kyrie Irving based on the drama they have in Cleveland? Heck, is LeBron gonna pick Kevin Love now with all this stuff going on with the Cavs? Which we got to get to that before we end it. LeBron is quoted saying he's just trying to win, and basically he's gonna go by picking a squad to win the game because he said the past few years, the all-star game hasn't been what it should be. So we're going to step it up and and change it. So new format, uh, a lot of money going to charity. It's at Staples Center. Are you looking forward to it? How do you think it's going to be when we watch the all-star game this coming Sunday uh, in February? Well, I've, I've, They need to televise the draft.
1: Yeah, they, they need, uh, you know, have, whenever they do it, televise it, but make all the all stars be there. Make it like a pickup game, <laughs> where you 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 know you got all twenty of them in a room or whatever, and whoever's got the first pick is LeBron's got the first pick. He's yeah. got to come out and say. Give me Kevin Durant. Uh-huh. Who would not watch that? Like who? Who wouldn't? I mean, are you? Yes, absolutely. I'm watching that <laughs> because nobody wants to be the last pick. Like the first pick drama. <laughs> okay, that's one thing. But you when you get down to like there's five or six guys left. That's when it's going to be interesting. That's and it's like one of your teammates you know, Draymond Green's still sitting there, and Curry's got a pick, and Draymond looks at him, and then he goes with, you know, Jimmy <laughs> Towns or whoever. Man, give me that. Give give us that. We deserve that as NBA fans, because that would be fantastic. Uh, you know, yeah. I was a little lukewarm to the whole no longer East-West kind of thing, but it's not quite the same as it used to be with player movement and guys are, free, you know, when you and I were cut up in the eighties, it had to be East and West because nobody liked anybody. You know, you had your Lakers and mm-hmm. Celtics and, you know, the Rockets out West. And then, you know, you throw in the Sixers and the Pistons and then the Bulls, they didn't like each other. It was bad enough that you had to have Isaiah Thomas, Larry Bird, and Michael Jordan on the same team. <laughs> Just, I mean, that was bad enough. But uh, you watch some of those old uh, All-Star games, they were chippy from the jump. Like, th- there was no love lost from the, the jump with those. Uh, so I'm hoping that we have a little bit more competitiveness because uh, you said the last couple of years have trended toward foolishness. But when the NBA All-Star game, which I still say is the best one of the All-Star games, uh, is at its best is you showboat for three quarters, you get to the fourth quarter and it's close and you've got the best player in the world, uh, best players in the world, kind of sorting out, okay, who is the best of the best? And we have seen that in close games here recently where, you know, LeBron is the de facto guy for the East. He has been that guy. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see and that's when you really see the changing that's when the torch gets passed it's kind of at the all-star game you know the 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 old guys take a step back and the and the young guys uh because when you look at uh, the 92 all-star game magic's kind of farewell performance that's when he was kind of riding off to the sunset and that's when jordan became the de facto man in the NBA. So, mm-hmm. me, I look at the NBA All-Star game as kind of that changing of the guard. It, it's kind of a, got a playground feel to it anyway, so I like the, the way they're picking it. And as far as uh, events, I know baseball has the, the home run derby, which, okay. But I, I think as a weekend, NBA All-Star weekend is, 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 is fantastic. You've got the uh, Rising Stars game, which Jamal Murray. I I just saw that he's playing in that uh, this year. Uh, You've got, you know, the three point contest, the skills contest, and the dunk contest. The the NBA just does the all star game really, really well, I think.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love it. It's always been our favorite, and, you know, uh, still getting excited for it. Just, like I did as a kid, you know, when Bob Neal was broadcasting and, you know, the All-Star Saturday night and, you know, Snapper Jones and all those guys still got that same, you know, little pizzazz about it. And and I'm excited about this format. I'm with you. The draft, you know, should be uh, televised. I'm interested to see how uh, they do pick the teams. So it is going to be fun. Uh, They are You know, I hate it came to the point where they had to change it for guys to kind of play hard, but it's still going to be fun to see them play hard. Um, And like you mentioned, Jordan, Bird, Isaiah, all on the same team. The West just didn't really have as much hatred. I mean, your Lakers were the the dominant team, but there wasn't as much um, strife and friction with the Western Conference as it was with the East, or we didn't hear about it uh, as much. No doubt the Nuggets and the Suns and the Sonics all wanted to take down your Lakers and, you know, Rockets as well. It just wasn't as as tense as, as it was with Jordan and Byrd and all those guys. I mean, I don't well, know. I, I just didn't think that way anyway.
1: Well, I, I think with the East and all the teams, I think, uh, geographically being really really close i think mm-hmm. was an issue you know philly boston you know the Knicks, chicago all being relatively close i think that had something to do yeah. with it also and you know in detroit being right there also i think the style of play really had a lot <laughs> to do with it That's i true. mean when when you look cuz I, I think it's the same way when you look at baseball the American League, National League, you know, with the DH and some other things, uh, it really is a different kind of game, you know, honestly. Uh, But I I think back in those days, again, it sounded like we're, you know, we're 85, those Eastern Conference games were just grinding out slugfests. You know,
0: when we have seen
1: Larry Bird and and Dr. J fistfighting, and we know what the bad yeah. boy Pistons <laughs> did. And just, so I just think it, it just breeded some contempt. I, and you go out west, and the Lakers just outran you. I mean, they could now, don't get it. Right. Straight. As the kids say, don't get it twisted. They could get physical, but with showtime, the Lakers want to score as much They want to get up and down. So, right. Uh, and and uh, when you look at like Rolando Blackman and those uh, uh, Dallas Maverick teams, They wanted to get up and down as well. So I don't think there was that friction that you have in the East just for the style uh, of play. Uh, When you look at – and I think that way a little bit with you, um, uh, NFC East guys, you know, with the Eagles and your Cowboys and the Redskins and the Giants, it's just physical, just grind it up, punch each other. And and, and I, I think that that kind of builds a little animosity with the teams. Whereas you look at my Niners, it, they just you know they just they would finesse you to death. You know, it's just a yeah. different way <laughs> of, of, beat, of beating your of beating your brains in. So I just think that style yeah. of play, rightly or wrongly, uh, has a lot to do with with a lot of
0: that uh, as well. That's true. And as a fan of a team from the NFC East, I got. Tons of thoughts on the Super Bowl. We might not get to them tonight, but we'll, I'll definitely get to them next Wednesday for sure. Um, but staying with that NBA theme, you said it a million times. You talked about, you know, this run of LeBron getting to the finals, you know, the, the durability, you know, not sustaining Uh, a catastrophic injury like many have who continue to play so deep into every season, and now he's continued to to get to the finals year in and year out. We've seen rough patches with the Cavs in years prior to this, uh, even with the Heat in years prior to this. This now with the Cavs, you know, three and ten in their last, 13, um, LeBron tops 30,000 points last night. Youngest guy to ever do it, you know, 33 years of age. joining Kareem, Karl Malone, Dirk, um, Jordan, uh, you know, elite company as far as that is concerned. And they still lose to a Spurs team last night without Kawhi Leonard. Uh, without pal gasol with tony parker who just got relieved of his starting job um and they still fell in san antonio last night can the Cavs turn it around again is this the worst we've seen them in a while i mean we've had little patches we've seen drama we've seen this we've seen that you hear reports of everybody mad at kevin love and he quote-unquote kind of fake sick the other night when they lost to Oklahoma City, where they gave up 148 points. I'll tell you that, you know, it was that was Doug Moe Denver Nuggets type numbers. You know, the Thunder went in there and put 148. 148 in regulation. That's, divide that by four, that's 37 points a quarter that you're giving up. Um, and they've been just bad defensively Forever now. Tim Leglo of SportsCenter Center talking about, I'm not even going to talk about the cast personnel anymore until they change it. There's, what else can you say about it? It's, it's not working for them. You see a tweet that Dan Gilbert is wanting to sell the cast. Is he trying to, you know, sell high? Is LeBron leaving after this year's over with? Can they turn it around again and still win the East, or has everything just caught up to them now to where it's, it's too much to even overcome, even with the bro? Well, who,
1: who's going to beat them? That, that's, the, that's the question you have to <sighs> ask. I know they look bad, but who is going to beat them in a seven-game series from the East? Is it going Oof. to be Toronto? And and I just think mentally Toronto just is not ready to play. <laughs> is it going to be? Uh, is it going to be Boston? You know, Boston yes, has looked Boston. good, but they mm-hmm. they lost to my Lakers last night, and, and they, they sure had
0: going it. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they, but they, but they but
1: you know they they've been giving up you know sixty points a night in the paint. Boston has so. Yeah. Is, is that who you want to hit your wagon to to uh, to defeat uh, LeBron and, and I know it gets tiresome when we say, you know what LeBron is going to get there, but look at his track record until yeah. he can't until he doesn't make it, my default position is in a seven game series, no one from the east is going to beat him. Uh, you know, we, we, we've we talked about, uh, you know, when you say, okay, who is putting Kentucky out of the tournament? Who's beating LeBron? It's the super-duper Warriors. And we can laugh and joke and, you know, he's three and five in the finals or whatever, but he's gone against really good teams in the finals, historically great teams. Uh, so getting there is not the issue. I just don't know if they get there. Can they? Can they win? I, I just I don't think that's the. I don't think that's the the case. I just I don't think they can get over that hump. But I think they can absolutely get there. I'd be surprised if they didn't.
0: Yeah, and as bad as they are, just beating themselves and pointing fingers and you know, Teron Lou we're not going to change the lineup. Oh, and they just lost another game in San Antonio. Oh, we are going to change the starting lineup. They're talking about trading for George Hill, um, and we see some. Uh, I forget who they're trying to take. Shepard and somebody for George Hill from Sacramento. Um, so we'll see. And like I said, this this is the worst maybe they have looked in each of these. Consecutive years of blah, lackluster play, uh, but they do have time to come out of it. It's looking kind of bad, um, but we'll see. If, if, as long as they don't destroy each other from within, like you said, they still are better than most everybody in the East, better than Boston, like you said, Toronto, uh, you know, Miami. You know, you just, Washington, you just don't, everybody else is still not up to their level yet. So it's going to be fun to watch, and, and we'll definitely keep our eye on it as well. Um, anything that goes past eight, com slash cats talk. But uh, we definitely jumped in and got a lot of all-star talk as well, a lot of cats in the NBA, the new-look all-star game. TB on ESPN at game day. Um, One thing we we hardly ever talk about, and another attempt to come back is being made, Tiger Woods is about to play at Torrey Ponds in San Diego. Will his back hold up? We're hearing good things, but yet we haven't seen anything, you know, consistent yet. Uh, you're hearing about the velocity of his drive, is getting back to the way it used to be. He is, you know, 42, which is still four years younger than Jack Nicholas when Jack won his last major. The has got a ton of mileage on him, uh, a lot of hard miles on him, and, you know, it's been like, 10 years since he won his last major. Everybody, of course, hopes, you know, he's able to with these comebacks and we've seen, you know, several here recently just hoping that you can be back out there and and play well, you know. Uh when I say you're gonna be back to the way you were in ninety seven when you just came and just scared everybody to death and won by double digit strokes, but just come out there and you're back You'll be able to withstand the wear and tear again and, and just to see you play well. Will really he be able to
1: do that? I, I think, and, and this is uh, we're the same age as Tiger, right? In that in that same ballpark. Um,
0: yeah.
1: What you have to do is, if you're going to stretch out your career, you, you've got to adjust. Uh, Michael Jordan was still just as dominant in that last three peak, but he wasn't going as hard to the basket. I mean he still had it, but he had he had, he got that fadeaway, right? You know. Uh, <laughs> you've got to make adjustments. You've got to change things. Which is part of the reason I think LeBron's got a great shot at breaking uh, Kareem's NBA scoring record. Because you know, he's still at a pretty good level right now. Uh and and still has that ability to kind of shift into a different, uh, you know, how he plays the game. Tiger's not driving it as far, so he's got to be more accurate. He's got to work on things that he probably didn't have to work on in the past. You know, if you're 200-whatever-50 yards off the tee, then you don't have to work on as much. Um, So I still, and and call me a romantic, I still think that – that he can win a major. But I think, I don't think physically he can be as dominant and I don't think mentally he can be, uh, as dominant or as intimidating. Now that being said, you know, let him win the masters, you know, let him win the U S open. Okay. And, you know, he comes on Sunday in that red shirt. I think he's going to have some of those ghosts and echoes, uh, of, of old Tiger, but I still think he can get it done. Um, but the, the question is going to be his back. I mean, he's had what three or four back surgeries. Um, yeah. And and, and and what we have seen with a lot of athletes, no matter what the sport, it's it's the back. It's what did Larry Bird in. It's right. what Jordan yeah. had to get iced in when he was in uh, Washington. Uh, I mean, you know it. I know it. Just playing pickup basketball, my back is sore right now. You know, I had to put a heating pad last night. It's just not what it was. I mean, it's just it's what being 40 is. So you just have yeah. to make adjustments. Um, again, I've not been a professional athlete. You're not a professional athlete, but you, you can't do what you used to do. You have to change up how you do things. Uh, and, and hopefully Tiger can do that and get back on track. Absolutely.
0: So we shall see uh, fellow Kentuckian Michael Eaves is, you know, SportsCenter kind of uh, shadowing Tiger and reporting on progress. So hopefully we can see uh, some shades of what we used to see and, and some adjustments that will allow him uh, to string together uh, some good play once again. Uh, it would be definitely good to see um, he's just go back. Like you said, and, and if he could, if he's able to get over the health hurdle, which is huge, um, you know, you definitely couldn't bet against him as far as making adjustments needed to compete against the young guys. Uh, he's still, you know, a lot of wisdom, a lot of experience, but uh, he could definitely, if he can just get over it and, and stay in one piece, It would be fun to see him go up against Jordan Spieth and Dustin Johnson and all these young guys uh, and and see what happens. So, you know, they grew up loving him, and now they would have to compete against him in their primes and entering into their primes. So that would be a a fun little battle if it's able to take place.
1: Yeah, I'd like to to get him, uh, like see him back uh, and and get a couple of more. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't like the revisionist history that, you know, some people, you know, golf, Tiger Woods moved golf like nobody else. He made it to mm-hmm. people and he was, he, and he was dominant. He, he I mean, he was great. You know, he, I, I don't think he, he got the tiger slam. He had all four major titles at one time. I don't think he did it in a calendar year, but he, he made golf cool. I mean, and, and you know, he took it from the country clubs and, and, you know, I'll say it stuffy old white guys and he made it really cool for everybody to pay attention. To say, oh, what did what did Tiger do today? You know, it, it 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 was a thing. And even though he hasn't won a major in ten plus years or whatever it is, uh no one has come close to catching his records. That's the thing. Like no one has, you know, Had as many major wins in a year as he did No one has even come close And he hasn't won in forever So uh, Yeah, I I think it's a little disingenuous To say the Tiger hasn't really had an impact Absolutely Well man,
0: we Started the show With a ton to talk about And talked about pretty much All of it Um, Condolences again to everybody In Marshall County uh, we definitely have to start with that, um, and we look forward to the community community continuing uh, to be strong and heal going forward from the tragedy tragedy that happened yesterday. Um, end up talking about Kentucky going to West Virginia, uh, no smooth transition as well. But we hopefully they can just withstand the pressure because it's going to be 40 minutes of pressure from Huggy Bear and company. Uh, if they lose, it's not a conference loss. Uh, if they win, it's a very nice boost to the resume and seating and, and all of that and uh, jump to their spirits and confidence and growth to go on the road and arguably the toughest environment they're going to face and leave there with a win. That will do wonders for them as they continue uh, to work to get them where they need to be come March talked about the MLB, Vlad and Chipper going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, get to the Super Bowl next week because you know we'll definitely have some thoughts. And we got a huge dose of NBA as you know, you and I only do. The All-Star Game, forecast. once the All-Star Game. Um, Jake Keegan Key getting fired too. That was shocking. Just like Fizzdale getting fired in Memphis. Kind of weird timing. You know, Milwaukee... In the A.C. right now, still a young squad. You just got so like Jalen Rose said. Jabari Parker's still never been healthy, so you never got to see what they could do with that young team. So uh, shocking to see Kia get fired. Uh, that was, a, you know, kind of out of nowhere. Uh, so that was weird as well. But uh, we talked about a whole bunch of stuff and even working in some Tiger Talk, which we hadn't really talked about him doing these other comebacks, but – Uh, We're definitely rooting for him.
1: Absolutely. It's another
0: good show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you bringing it like you always do, Terry, Real TV Brown. Appreciate you letting us know that you balled out last night. Hadn't talked about your stats and, and what you've been doing on these Tuesday nights in a while, so glad to hear that you had it going last night. Um Work that soreness out, and hopefully you have another good run next Tuesday, and we'll talk about it all next Wednesday on Cats Talk Wednesday. For my man, JTB Brown, appreciate everybody listening. This is Vinny Hardy, and this has been another episode of Cats Talk Wednesday on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network, Live Talk Radio <laughs>